to the Extra Unordinary, a podcast where extra people talk on ordinary media. My name is Addison, and I will be your host tonight. And with me, I have Joe. Oh, again. I'm eating an ice cream sandwich. Hi, I'm Kat. <laughs> I bought us ice cream sandwiches for the podcast. I'm sorry, Joe. It's okay. I can't have ice cream anyways. Oh, yeah. Are you lactose intolerant? Um, uh, slightly allergic, actually. Oh, yeah. We've had that discussion before. We haven't. <laughs> no. I won't go into details. It's okay. Okay. Cool. Well, hi. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. We did the Itania podcast together. Did we? Well, I did the Itania po- podcast. I did the Itania podcast. You guys have met. I'm assuming we only did one. Yeah. One. Well, I'm an idiot. Hi. Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, too, if it makes you feel better. It kind of does. That's reassuring. We're on the same page of not being on the same page. Perfect. Well, maybe we'll all be on the same page for this discussion. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, I don't know. I was trying to steer us There's towards... There's lots of, lots of viewpoints, so I don't know. Fair. That's very fair. I was just trying to steer us towards the podcast. Yeah. Instead of our awkward snafu. That's fine. Okay. Cat, Joe, Joe, cat. It's fine. Nobody remembers anybody. That's <laughs> cool. So tonight... We'll be talking about the 2008 French horror flick, Martyrs, or Martyrs, as I always seem to spell it. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious and makes it a little, best, little less terrifying. All right. I kept spelling it Marty's if it makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to laugh at that. <laughs> Before we get into the nitty-gritty of this movie, I have a roundtable I want to ask. So, I think Martyrs is the scariest movie I have ever watched, and we're going to jump into that later of why, but I wanted to get my co-hosts' opinions on what they thought the scariest movie was and why. Joe, why don't you go first? Um... Scariest movie I ever watched was probably In the Mouth of Madness, but it was the first horror movie that I ever watched all the way through. Um, This was before I worked in film and did like special effects makeup and stuff like that. So watching films now, I'm completely pulled out of it. And in my brain, I'm more thinking, how did they do those prosthetics? Wow, that looks like really fake blood. Wow, that looks like really fake, fake blood. Um... (laughs) So I kind of get pulled out of it, dissecting everything now. So watching horror movies, for me now, I'm kind of desensitized to most of it. But when I watched In the Mouth of Madness, this was back in high school. So I was probably about 16, 17 years old, I think, at the time. And I was over at my friend's house. We were watching it in his basement at midnight. And we got done watching it. And in the movie, there's this kid that looks like this albino ghost that rides on this bike with a baseball card or playing card in the spokes so you just hear the sound as he's riding his bike freaked the crap out of me and i had to walk home after watching this movie at one o'clock in the morning oh no yeah which given it was barely like half a block away but at the same time it's like if there's anybody on their bike riding by i am going to totally freak out I don't care if I hear the spokes or not. It's just, and it, it freaks me out to walk in the dark for like a couple of weeks. But I just did not want to see anybody on a bike at, at dark. The first time I watched this movie, I literally would not spend more than two minutes in the bathroom at a time for like a month. I mean, I would take like showers Like and is your stuff. head sticking out of the shower curtain like, ah! 
But, like, I just... The scariest movie... To, the scariest scene in this movie to me happens in the bathroom. Yeah, that bathroom scene's pretty rough. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot. There's a couple rough bathroom scenes, to be honest, <laughs> with this movie. We'll get into which one scares me. But, like, it scared me, and, like... After I watched a scary movie, I don't know, like... I don't know how you made it outside, like, half a block... I don't even like going to my fucking front door in my apartment. <laughs> well, I had to go home where my parents had freaked out. <laughs> I would call them and be like, nope. I'm scared to walk home, mom and dad, come pick me up. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't have faulted you if you had done that. Oh, my parents would have given me a lecture on watching horror movies at my age. Because I wasn't 18 yet and shouldn't be getting R-rated movies. I'm, I'm and I was like, eh, I'd rather just go home scared. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. So, Kat. Very, very conservative parents. Yay! Yay. <laughs> uh, cat. Oh, yeah. Cat. Yes. Cat. What's your answer? Um, I have so many answers to that because there's like different types of horror, but I guess probably the one that I've seen that has given me like the longest running reaction would probably be uh, Lars von Trier's Antichrist, um, which I saw in college. You know, on nothing like super fancy or special or anything. We were all watching it, and we, if you haven't seen Antichrist, don't listen to this for, like, two minutes, if you're, spoiler alert. Um, have you guys both seen it? I have. Have you seen it, Joe? I have not. Are you going to see it? We might discuss it on the podcast. Probably not. Probably not? Okay. It's fine. Okay. Well, there's a scene towards the end after a lot of gross shit happens, but basically, like, the main actress takes a pair of scissors and cuts off her clitoris and it's like very much in your face and I had such like a visceral gut reaction that I immediately got faint and I had to stop watching the movie and go play Katamari Damacy and in like another room. That's a good reaction to that. I That's mean, it was not ideal. And I mean, it just gets scarier. And it just like that movie freaked me out in terms of like how insane people can get or how much like repressing shit can fuck with you. Like if you repress so much, it, it can explode out of you in very self-harming and even like sadistic ways to hurt, like hurt others. So yeah, I'm going to say Antichrist right now. Yeah. People are scary. People are fucked up. Just like they are in this movie. I don't know why I did that pose when I did that, but okay. Yeah. Joe, don't send me pictures of them. I won't sleep tonight. <laughs> the second one wasn't. The second one was in response to what she just said. Oh. It was a meme. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Oh. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, that was very graphic. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a roller coaster of a movie. Mm-hmm. Both this and Antichrist. So. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, that movie came out a year after this movie. Hmm. Well, 2009. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I actually sneaked in to the movie theater um, to see Antichrist. Oh, yeah? Because of NC-17. Oh. And they won't let you in at the movie theater I went to in Noonan, Georgia. Go right? in Noonan. I'm surprised they were showing it in Noonan. I know. Newton, Georgia is where they held a KKK rally, like, last month. God bless you, Georgia. You're a peach. Yeah. So the fact that they played this movie there was 
impressive. Oh, wow. I was NC-17, and I was... They didn't let you into NC-17 movies there. You had to be 18, and oh. I was 17. Oh, I, also, <laughs> I also snuck into Watchmen with a Hannah Montana movie ticket. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I feel like Hannah Montana wasn't okay with that. Hannah Montana's okay with that. Yeah, she probably wouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> I don't think any of us are okay with this movie. I mean, after this movie, when we, like, after I left, because Addison and I watched it together, I I don't think I had a coherent thought that wasn't just, what the fuck did I just see? I don't know how to feel about it for a good, good, like, half an hour like the entire drive home like I was so rattled remember how I looked up to get to my office yeah I driving to my office almost all the way there before realizing I didn't need to go there and I needed to go home so I was like in the car for like 45 minutes just like what the fuck yeah what the fuck yeah this movie stuck with me for like two days after I watched it just like trying to figure out and wrap my head around the ending and just everything that went on and just trying to recap. It's like, okay, so this happened and this happened and and it a lot of it just visually just sticks with you. Mm-hmm. No, the really a lot of the like shots they've used in this movie are like very stunning and all of them are utilized in such a good way they like really strike the point that they're trying to make with that scene home. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. out of place. And I was reading up on like the making of it and stuff and the director did not want to make shot lists for this movie. Really? He just wanted to catch the realism of it all and just have the camera people just film what they're doing. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You film it. You catch the reality of it to help make it just that much more real. And I think by doing that kind of gorilla shots that it really captured a lot of the emotion and a lot of what was going on. Wait, is that how we get sometimes some of those angles sort of feel like almost like a documentary? You're kind of like at one of those like side views where you're like peeking around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. so interesting. But well, before that as a stylistic choice. Before we get into all that. Before we get into all that, let's um, issue a warning. Uh, I already kind of do spoilers. Yeah, this is, we're going to fuck you guys up with spoilers. Sorry. Yeah. At the end of, at the beginning of each episode already, but I do want to, I do want to, um, let you guys know this movie is so good going in blind. If, you know, you want a really good, surreal, scary experience, don't read up on it. Don't listen to the podcast. I want you to go watch it and I want you to come back and I want you to listen if you have not seen it before. Because I think, because I knew everything about the movie before I saw it. It took me eight years to get up the courage to watch the movie. Again? No, I watched it for the first time two years ago. Oh, oh, okay, I see what you mean. I think the best experience you'll get out of this movie is going in completely blind. I went in blind, and I did not expect any of it. So, it was I went in semi-blind, and it still had a huge impact. Yeah, it's it, a journey you make. Yes. So, please... Please, if you want a good, scary, fucked up experience of watching a movie, I want you to turn off this podcast, don't read anything about it, go watch it, go support it by reading it. Um, it's available on streaming, like Vudu, iTunes, Google Play, go watch it, it's great. And then come back, come, lis- come listen to us, it's great. Yeah. So, please enjoy our discussion on Martyrs. Once you have watched the movie, or if you're unafraid, if you're a bit afraid to watch it, I get that. 
But I suggest giving it a try. I think they got it, right? Yeah, come on, guys. Don't be silly. Yeah. Come on. All right. So, this movie was written and directed by Pascal Lagier. It stars Morjana Aoi and Mylin Zempenois. I hope I got those right. It's French. None of us know. Aloui. <laughs> yeah, it's not like... Yeah. Aloui is correct. Jampenois is correct because I looked up the... Jampenois. Okay. Jampenois. Jampenois. I looked up the pronunciation of them beforehand because they had French names. Is it Logier or Logier? I don't know. That I don't know. I didn't look up his name. I'm sorry. Probably Lucier. Fine. I just called him Pascal. (laughs) All right, so good old Pass. Good old Pascal here. He wrote a real, real doozy. He wrote a doozy. All right. Uh, This movie was released in 2008 in France and had a 13 million euro budget. That's three. That's a three. I don't know where you put a one in there. Oh, that's a three? I'm stupid. Yeah, euros are like half. I'm stupid. You're not stupid. Yeah. Three million. I can't read. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't know. uh, What is it? Currency exchange rates. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. And the critical reception on this is a very polarizing 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. So half the people who watch this movie doesn't like it. I mean, I can't blame them. Like, I I mean, I don't know if you're supposed to come out of this movie actually being like, this was great. I can't wait to show this to everybody. I, I mean, I would be like, horror friends aside, but you're not going to be like, hey, Graham Grams, like, you want to watch this really cool movie with me? I watched Last House on the left with my grandmother. All right, maybe your Graham Gam's cool. My Graham Gam's dead. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> But she's said it wasn't scary, so... What the f- Oh, last... I thought you read your grandma saw this and said that, and I was like, what? No, my grandmother watched Last House on the Left oh, with me. And thought it wasn't scary? Yeah. She's tough. She's she's a she's badass person. bitch. I love her. It was based on her life. <laughs> I love you, grandmother. Let's continue. Okay. Um, Kat, do you want to read the summary? Sure, I'll read the summary for us all. <clears throat> summary. Opening. Day. We see a young girl, Lucy, running down the street, bloodied, bruised, and limping. The opening credits are home movies of Lucy at the orphanage acting, well, like a young child with post-traumatic stress disorder. We see another young girl, Anna, reaching out to Lucy and becoming friends with her. After the home movies end, we see the police talk with Anna to see if she knows anything that has happened to Lucy. Anna says no, because Lucy doesn't really want to talk about it, which, it's torture, you don't blame her for that. Yeah. That night, we see Lucy's afraid to go to sleep, and we quickly find out why, because some gnarly, gross, and scary as all hell creature is attacking her. We don't find out what that is until later on in the movie. Um, Fifteen years later, we meet a family in a pristine house that are eating breakfast. Lucy knocks on the door, father's answers, and she shoots them, shoots him and the rest of the family with a shotgun, claiming that they are the family that tortured her, claiming that they are the people that tortured her as a child. Lucy states she was able to track them down due to a photo of them in a local newspaper. That was the daughter's fault. Lucy calls Anna and tells her, "Yeah, what kid, yeah, you stupid kid, God, how dare that. you do so great in swimming? You got an award." <laughs> um. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Lucy calls Anna and tells her what ha- what has happened, and Anna comes to the house. While waiting for Anna, Lucy gets her ass whooped by that evil contortionist monster, and it's still attacking her. 
um, even as she's grown into an adult. Yeah. Anna comes in and sees what Lucy has done um, and cleans up the bodies. And it does discover that Gabrielle, the mom, is still alive. But upon Lucy discovering that she's still alive, smashes her head to death with, or smashes her to death with a hammer to her head. Lucy then pleads with the monster that she's gotten her revenge, but the monster comes out and instead of attacking her, is gentle with her. We now get Anna's perspective of what the monster does to Lucy, and we are made clear now that the monster was not real and just a manifestation of her grief and pain and guilt of... Leaving uh, another young girl behind when she escaped. Which we will also talk about. Um, And so Lucy just can't take it anymore and kills herself. So yeah. So this is the end of the first 45 minutes. This is 45 minutes into the movie. So just to give you like a heads up of how fucking crazy this shit is. That's 45 minutes. There's like what? Another hour? Another hour. An hour after this that's left. So then we have part two. Do you want me to And that scene was also hard for me to watch. I think that would probably be my number two scene. Mm-hmm. That was difficult to watch is when she starts taking her own head. Oh, yeah. oh that head against the wall. the wall with the razor blade? Uh-uh. Yeah. That was not fun. That was that not was difficult. No. All right. Kat, would you like to continue? Sure. I can continue. Let me take a swig of this old water jug. Um, While cleaning up all of the death and making a mass grave, Anna comes across <laughs> a secret torture chamber, as um, which can we please both of you... Don't let me forget, I need to talk about what the fuck, why Anna even went to discover the torture chamber to begin with, and why yeah. she didn't get the fuck out of the house. But, anyway, when she's down there, she finds a woman with basically a metal diaper and, like, a crazy stapled metal visor to her head. She attempts to take care of the woman and help her, but the woman is just so far gone from her torture um, that there's not really much she can do. Um, and the woman ends up attacking her and chasing her, but then she gets shot literally out of fucking nowhere. Because, uh, uh, like, initially I was looking for Lucy, but Lucy's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's um, some rich, fancy-looking people come in, and they ask Anna what she's up to. She spills, and they take her downstairs, down the creepy-ass fucking ladder to the torture chamber, where she is interrogated by a woman with a turban, with a turban named the Mademoiselle. Culture Appropriation. Is it cultural appropriation if you're French-Canadian and you make a French-Canadian movie? The Turban. Oh! I thought you were saying that her being called Mademoiselle. <laughs> no. What? The Turban. Hmm. But she's a white, rich person, so I doubt that she cares. I don't know. We don't I guess she is kind of like, I don't know. She could be, she could just be like pale because she's French-Canadian. Yeah. Because, I mean, French-Canadian... That's not even a fucking place, but, like, <laughs> Quebec and, like, Montreal themselves are, like, fairly diverse. Okay, fair. I mean, it does seem like the ultimate, like, the ultimate theme is that most of the people in that group were old, rich, white people. So it's yeah. a safe assumption. So maybe it is a cultural appropriation. I'm really glad it's not Mademoiselle, though. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, so moving on. So Mademoiselle then explains to Anna that their organization did capture Lucy and that she had actually escaped, and they were torturing her to create what they called a martyr. A person, usually a young woman, who experiences a transcendent state when they are close to death, where they is um where Mademoiselle and the group see believe that they can see the afterlife. Lucy was not a martyr, but a victim, meaning she did not actually fulfill their goal, and transcend. 
The state Anna is going, so they state that Anna's going to be their next subject, and they take her to an isolated cell. Um, so Anna gets tortured, she gets the shit beat out of her, she gets fed some really gross-ass gruel, and just a bunch of other stuff happens to her for, like, an extended period of time. They really never explain that. Yeah. Um, Who knows how long she was down there, but... Right. It felt like months. Yeah, Yeah. it could have been. I mean, she seemed like she held it together for, like, a really, really, really long time. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess they don't really say how long it could have been. But probably at least months. So, dude... Also, can we talk about the fuck that that family's, like, doing that for months and they live there and it's, like, normal and it's, like, multiple families have all lived in this place doing that. Like, where the fuck are they finding these people? Um, (laughs) We'll get to that. Yeah, like, there's so many questions I have. Um, But anyway, so the crazy guards, the people that are taking care of her, see her start being affected and they go ahead to... to, um, They go ahead and decide to take her to the final stage, which just sounds fucking terrifying to begin with. Um... (laughs) And they, the final stage is her getting flayed alive, except for her fucking face. And, yeah, it's awful. And they keep her alive. She stays alive for all of this. They then put her back in her room with sun lamps, cooking her muscles, (laughs) and leave her like that. That's so gross. And we don't know how long she's left like that, because then it cuts away to later on, and the um, woman guard shouts, like, Michelle... And is like, she's doing it. So they find out that Anna has indeed transcended and she's no longer seeing anything around her and is seeing beyond into the unknown slash afterlife. They call Mademoiselle and she goes to talk to Anna. We find Anna in this like weird bath, which I really hope was like some kind of like muscle aloe, like just soothing. Like I'm yeah. just hoping, but it's probably not. It's probably like fucking lime water because they're assholes. <laughs> um, and they, and, and then the... Anna whispers something into the mademoiselle's ear. We never hear what it is, and it's never explained later on in the movie. But that leads um, mademoiselle to having a conversation with one of her higher members of the organization. And he asks mademoiselle what she says, and she tells him to keep downing before she shoots herself in the fucking head with a gun to her mouth. Yes, and the very end of the movie, I forgot to put this in the synopsis, is Anna lying in the pool of water in a catatonic state. Literally staring just beyond. Just staring. Like, I assume that she's alive still, but probably not for much longer. I mean, the fact that she she was still alive. I mean, I think the fact that she was still alive, what? What did they say? It was like two hours, two and a half hours that she was alive? Two hours. hours and 15 minutes that she was in that transcended dead state. Jesus Christ. And she talked to the Mademoiselle for what, like 15 minutes? They never specified. I read it in one article. Somebody said like an hour. Her and Mademoiselle talked for like an hour? No, I thought they did say. Just watch that section. They never say how long she talked to Mademoiselle. No, they don't. They only showed about a five second clip and then it cuts off. So you don't know if it was five seconds or if they were talking for three hours. There's no specification at all that's fair so just the idea of like any human being staying alive after being flayed alive for any amount of time is remarkable and insane in of itself all right yeah it's goddamn crazy so joe yes tell me briefly because we'll get into everything later when i ask questions but (laughs) brief synopsis how did you feel about this movie how do you feel about it? There were several points that made me uncomfortable. Um, like I said, when I walked away, though, 
there was so much ingrained inside my brain and my head that I just could not let go of a lot of the visuals and a lot of the themes that were in the movie too. And then just trying to wrap my head around the ending. Two days of just trying to figure out what in the world was said. I do love that they never answer that. Yep. I like that it's not answered. And even the director will not answer the question too in interviews and stuff. I mean, do you honestly think he has one? I think it, I mean, no one really knows. I think it's up to interpretation. Yeah. He might have one, but he might not have a set one. Hmm, that's fair. Your answer could change. Yeah. Like, we all have different answers of what's the afterlife at different points in our lives. Yeah. Which is one thing that he had stated, too. He's like, some days I feel like there is grace and I feel like everything is just, there could be something. And then there's other days where it's like, no, there ain't nothing. Yeah. Um, For everybody, I think everyone has those days. Yeah. That... Some days you feel like, yeah, that could be a heaven, that could be a hell, and some days it's like, eh, I'll probably die in just black. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Honestly, that one sounds easy. <sighs> it does. So, Kat, I want you to tell me mm. briefly what you think about this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, I always like movies that make me think afterwards that leave me sort of wanting to know more and wanting to, like, read up more about this. This took me on a fun journey through Reddit a little bit. Um, got to read some great creepy pastas, which I'll share with us in a little bit too. Um, but it just like left me asking so many questions all the time. Like it's not, I'm not going to try and sound like an asshole saying this, but I usually can guess what's going to happen a lot of times. Or like movies, I feel like most people can, like you pick up on tropes really relatively quickly. Yeah. Especially Um, in horror movies. Cause nowadays mainstream movies are just too goddamn predictable. Exactly. And yeah. the only cliche thing that this horror movie did was the haircutting thing. And even then, they didn't even shave it. They chopped it roughly. Like, they did it in their own yeah. way. But I could not have predicted where any of this movie would have gone. And I really liked that. I, I enjoyed that a lot. It kind of gave a really wonderful element of suspense that I had been yes. missing. I, I agree. And how I feel about this movie... Well, I think I was thinking about it today. This movie has not left my mind much. I mean, like, duh, I think about other things, but like, it has. It's always been in the. Think about play babies all the time. (laughs) Chad is worried about me. I'm a little bit, guys. We should. Did we need to get help? I I go to therapy a lot. It's fine. Do you talk about this movie in therapy? I don't, but I probably should. I would be intrigued to know what would come out of that. I hope that's not weird to ask. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's just always kind of been in the back of my mind, especially when I watch other movies. Cause, and after debating with myself today, I was like, I think this is my favorite horror movie. And you know the reason I think that is because it has every element that I like in other types of movies. Like, it kept me thinking. It kept me guessing. I The plot just goes all over the place. It made me think about it afterward. I love the acting, the directing, the editing, the set design, the sound design, everything. I love the music. Love the music. A lot. And on top of that, it has the scariest things in the world to me, which are... Crazy, creepy ladies and and cults who just do horrendous shit. 
But they think they're doing the right thing. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. For the greater good. For the greater good. So it's just the perfect horror movie for me. It's kind of a mishmash of all parts of, like, uh, not all parts, but definitely, like, a different kinds of, dro- like, genres within horror. Like, there are some jump scares. There's a lot of psychological thriller elements. There's a lot of, like, very graphic horror elements to it. Like, it's not just one type of horror movie. It is Well, a lot of people them. think it's two or three movies in one. Hmm. I'd be interested to see how they would separate those. Well, a lot of people think the first half of the movie is, like, home invasion monster movie, and then... Second half of the movie is torture cult movie. But you wouldn't have the first one without yeah, the second one. Yeah, but like, and when I say two different movies, I mean like two different, completely different tones. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. The tone did change throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the tone of, maybe it comes with like in the beginning with, I guess we're just going to talk about this now. So, um. At the beginning of the movie, when, you know, you're hearing Lucy explain things, do you believe her? Are, yeah. I mean, you know she got tortured, but do you believe in, like, the other the entity? Do you... I, think... I did not at first. I did not believe her, and I was... I kind of felt like it was going to be some sort of psychological thing. And that's the only part of the movie that I kind of saw coming, was the fact that, like, I think she's just doing this to herself. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that kind of tripping me up. I definitely went back and forth on that one with, with uh, oh, something is attacking her, even if it's, like, some kind of, like, weird possession sort of thing. Or, no, it's all in her head. Or then when uh, we get later on in the movie, the bathroom scene especially, I'm like, is this real or not? Like, I yeah. don't fucking know anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if I went in blind instead of knowing everything about it, um, I think I would have been majorly shocked when it, the reveal is just Lucy. Yeah. Herself. Yeah. Because that thing's so fucking scary. I would have been goddamn distracted. Yep. Oh, that lady just scares me so bad. Well, do we want to just dive right in and start talking about it? Or do we have do we have more questions? Uh, well, I, I do have questions, but it's kind of outlining what all we're going to talk about. Oh, okay, What cool. points we're going to hit. So, scare factor. How how badly did this scare everybody? Like, in a pure horror sense. I'm a 10. It's the only time I'll ever be a 10, but I'm a 10. <laughs> I put it at a 7, but only, like I said before, is I'm kind of desensitized to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I did jump when the thing show when Lady Gollum shows up at the... <laughs> <laughs> can we call her that for the rest of the Yes, movie? we can. <laughs> Great. That, that, I, I literally jumped when that thing came at her. And I saw it on the screen. I was like, <gasps> "Which was time?" Like, um, right when she's going to sleep and trying to sleep. Oh, yeah, that was. And then it's it like goes perched into over the... the bed, like you're my yeah. precious. And, and then the title screen comes. Yeah, I I hid my eyes. <laughs> yeah, there was a point while we were watching this, while Addison literally had her comforter pulled up to like right underneath her bottom eyelids, and I could just see her peeking out, and occasionally she'd like poke her chin out and keep watching and then immediately retreat after something would happen. It was pretty cute. Aww. We should add that photo that I took of you on the website for this. Just to just to give a heads up for how scary this movie is. Yes. I I was a scared. Yeah. I did wince a few times. More from ooh, that looks painful. Mm. 
yeah. Uh, but not was not scared by those moments. That's fair. I'd probably put myself at around the same level, maybe a seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot more gross movies, and a lot of the stuff that I think is especially scary is just kind of very graphic. Um, like, it's not the August Underground trilogy, so, like, it takes a lot to gross yeah. me out at this point. Just the thing that, um, like, I wouldn't call this movie gross while there's, there's some, some gore to this movie. But it's... Her face becomes, like, a human... I don't even know. Yeah. Like, her face is every color of bruise that a face could be. Yeah, but that's a different kind of gore. It's very realistic. It's very brutal. It's very in your face rather than like a Saw movie where it looks fake ass. That's true. That is true. There is definitely an elegance to, there's an elegance to the beatings of this movie. Yes. Yes. How that sentence ever came out of my mouth. Great. Great. (laughs) (laughs) We're being put on a watch list. Yeah, great. Um, But yeah, no, I think it's just for me, I think what really more got to me was like, because I didn't know what was happening, I couldn't, I couldn't, plan i couldn't prepare so it would catch me off like so like so much like i the same thing like the scene where she comes at her from the bed or even in the tub like i remember being like ah or um with a lot of the (laughs) stuff that yeah we both scream um and then with other various scenes especially like later on in the second half movie just being like just outraged that this is happening and I remember like I'm mad at myself now but I remember being mad at Anna too because I was just like why the fuck are you in the basement but this is I guess not the scary part this is I'm just talking about my scary part but I guess I maybe I am a little scared because I'd be like what like do I know people who would be that dumb who would be like I'm gonna go down we know people who would be that dumb yeah I would not go down there myself and just side note I thought it was rather convenient that within about four seconds, she knew where to find the flashlight in that house. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, like, the only complaint I have about this movie is the hammer and the flashlight. Mm. Like, I didn't even think about that. I was too busy just taking the rest of it in. You guys are smart little cities picking up on this. I listened you know. to so many podcasts and read so many articles about this movie that I know every little piece of information. And she didn't grab the hammer when she didn't went down there, did she? No! She just went down there with the flashlights, like, bring a weapon of some sort. You have knives in the house. Right. Yeah, actually, none of... Let's, let's not pick it apart. Well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> after the violence, after the initial violence in the kitchen, you never see the kitchen again. No, you do not. Maybe that's... Just... They don't go back there. Maybe that's kind of... You know, a lot of people will shoot in different houses for... And have it one house mm-hmm. and a film for like budget reasons. Well, I don't, I can't think of many houses that have a creepy basement with that crazy ass ladder that also just looked like a charming modern like what is it uh, Frank Lloyd Wright house on the outside. Right. I don't I don't think many of those exist. Yeah, yeah, I think that was two different sets. I think one was a house and one was an actual built set. Yeah, that they just made look that it was all combined together. Yeah, I was talking about the kitchen being separated from everything else. Well, once they killed off Justin Bieber, there was no point in going back to it. So. Are we really going to call the son Justin Bieber? That feels like an insult to his memory. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Although, can I just ask this question very quickly? Yeah. Um, did anybody else get some weird-ass Lannister vibes from that brother and sister combo? Did anybody else, or am I just crazy? <laughs> now that you mention it, yes. Okay, cool. I'm so glad I'm not alone in that. I was like, they are way too touchy-feely for their age. I did like the fake-out that they did when they were introducing the family where the girl screams. Oh, yeah. And it's just her brother tackling her, because it's, like, yeah. right after we see the goddamn monster that's so freaky. Um, yeah, it just, I like that. That was cool. It's a good, they did a good job. They did a good job. Good job, Pascal. Yeah. You're a real pal that wants to kill me. I don't want to kill you. I just don't want you to be alive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to have to do anything for it. <laughs> I just want you dead for two and a half hours. Basically. So, Joe, you want to run this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Addison. You know I love you. What do you think Anna said to Mademoiselle? Uh, me? Uh, Anybody chime in. But you can go first. Do you want Kat? I mean, it's hard to say. I'm kind of of two minds on what I think she said. I part of me wants it to be like you fucking piece of shit asshole i hate you i hope you fucking die in a fire like i just want it to be like a spew of insults unlike any that i've ever heard before and i will never hear because i've never been flayed alive so i don't have the colorful language to describe the ang- anguish and agony i would be in to another human um but probably more seriously i mean she probably did describe to her whatever it is that is that she saw but um I think whether or not that is the true beyond or not, I don't know. Because I mean, brains are weird. Brains are brains weird. will make something up if they don't. Yeah. If they don't know what's going on, especially if they're under extreme stress, like they yeah. will just create something. Yeah. But it was obviously something incredibly fucked up if Mademoiselle had the reaction that she did. So, do you think it's like a Dante's Inferno type hell? Maybe not that extreme with so many different levels, but I could definitely see it being like, yeah, you are a shitty person. You don't look forward to your death. But then if I, but then that kind of counts, counteracts like her killing herself. Like if she has a fear, yeah, if she has a fear of the afterlife or if there is a hell, then why is she running head first into it? Yeah. <laughs> head first. Hey, yeah. Unintentional murder self fun. Suicide fun. Unintentional suicide fun. <laughs> self murder is a funner word. Self murderer is a funner word. <laughs> self suicide. Suicide sounds so droll and negative. We're taking it away. We're gonna bring up self murder. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Anyway, Joe, what do you think? Yes. Uh, well, I tried to not come to... Oh, I tried to come to a conclusion before reading up on other people's ideas, and I could not figure out for the life of me what would justify her killing herself at the end of it. Because, like, everything that I ended up reading is the same thoughts that were going through my head. So you've got the all dogs go to heaven theory to where, hey, once you're done... God loves everybody. We all go to heaven. Okay, maybe she shoots herself to go there, but why would she not tell her people that? Because that's what they're all looking for. Yeah, they would all want the all dogs go to heaven ending. She tells them to keep doubting. Yes. Um, then you've got the second option of, well, there's nothing. You go, and it's just 
there's an emptiness, there's a nothingness. But then why would she rush to that? And same thing you just said, if there's a hell, why would she rush to that? So none of those three options, which are the most common three options that are out there, make any sense at all to why she would kill herself. So, and not my tell them. theory... What's that? And not tell her cohorts. Yeah, and not tell them anything. So my theory is, um, is the purgatory theory, is that Anna tells her, hey, guess what, you're a murderer, there's a special place for you. You're going to have to spend X amount of time in this place because you're a murderer, and all of the people that are following you are going to fillet you for the next 30 years while you're in this purgatory. So you've got to spend 30 years there. So if you can get there now, you're going to have like five years head start to where they're not doing anything. So then you'll only be flayed alive for 25 years. That's so she's like, terrifying. Yeah. What so like- she's just trying to get there and kill time before they all show up to kill her for misleading all of them and making them murderers, which at that point, everybody that they murder will probably be flaying them alive also. For e- well, for 30 years or eternity or whatever. Well, the concern, though, with her not telling them, though, is that I was wondering, I was left, two things are going to happen. Either they're going to give up the quest or they're going to keep doing this. Because nothing's going to make a greater fucking mystery than the fact that the Mademoiselle shot herself before telling them anything. Yeah. And said keep doubting. Yeah. Which I think she said to keep doubting so that way they don't know the evil that is about to become of all of their murdering. Ooh, but that just also, doubt. But that just keeps doubt them that still murdering. Exists. They keep murdering. Well, they're they're. Well, They've already done that. it. Yeah. It's not going to change anything. You're still in that level of murder hell, pur- yeah. murder purgatory. I guess there's not different levels of murder purgatory. But since she's the leader of them all, she's probably like got a longer sentence than the rest of them. Yeah. Other than maybe the dude that's beating her up every five minutes and it's just I'm gonna come down and beat her up again. I'm gonna come down and beat her up again. That dude needs a special place in hell too. I would like to say thank God there wasn't rape in this movie. Mm, that'd be too much. Thank God. Like I'm just so sick of rape being used as a form of torture in horror movies. I want it to die. Yeah, I think it was left out because it was not relevant to what their their point was. I mean, yeah. rape can be psychological torture. Oh, for sure. Yes. I don't think that's... And a- that's a lot of what they wanted to do to her, is just get her psychologically to the point where she wanted break. Well, they mentioned that earlier, even in the beginning of the movie, with they, when they discover Lucy when she's younger, they're like, she hasn't been raped. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's they don't view it as a means necessary for the torture that they're trying to enact. Because, I mean, beating someone and leaving them sensory deprived kind of is enough. So maybe at least they have a line that they won't cross. That's so nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I'm, I'm glad. sensory of sex and orgasm pulls them back out instead of pushes them towards the transcendence. Mm, that's a good theory. But still, so I... Maybe am... at some point they were doing it, and it's like, you know what? We screwed that up. Let's not do that anymore. Yeah, maybe. That is terrifying. And I hope yeah. not. Well, I'm just glad she wasn't raped. Yeah, I'm glad no one got raped yeah. in this movie. 
At least there's one one good thing this movie didn't do. I think Anna said to Mademoiselle was, yes, there is an afterlife. It's everything perfect that you have always thought it would be. It's beautiful. You'll have real eyelashes there. Beautiful hair. But because of what you did on Earth, how you made other people suffer for your own gain won't get you there. It's just blackness for them and i think that here's the thing i don't think anybody in this movie got pleasure from torturing any of the people they tortured i don't think it's something they did for sadistic pleasure it had a divine purpose that divine purpose was batshit insane but it's not a saw or hostile movie Hmm. well i wonder if it's an indoctrination thing with all the people in this cult like their family was in the cult like because i mean this idea of people like of torturing people to see if they transcend is not new like um i was reading that this is something like self flagellation is something that people would do to be closer or higher to god and i mean that's in christianity that's in i think um other sects of religion as well yeah self-flagellation mm-hmm. isn't that farting <laughs> <laughs> that's flatulation flatulation flagellation Okay, define flagellation for those... Flagellation, um, self-flagellation is the act of, like, harming oneself. Typically, it would be... Like, have you ever seen the friggin', um, the Da Vinci Code? Yes. The monk that's whipping himself? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a... It's a self-harming to feel like you are reaching the out beyond. You are speaking with a higher power. Okay. But yeah, but they did that. I think that's been around for centuries. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, although typically I think it's a choice, not other people are being forced to do it. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is a huge difference between the martyrs and victims. What they were doing. Okay. What they were doing is they were forcing people into martyrdom, whereas actual martyrs are doing it by choice. Well, I think it's, I guess it's more noble in that sense. It's like they know what's going to happen. They know that risk. They're willing to take it, which gives gives them that, like, iron martyr will. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think that Anna said something about the afterlife was real, but Mademoiselle and her creepy-ass cult won't get there because of what they've done. And like I had said before, I don't think they tortured people because they got their kicks out of it. Like, it's not something they did and went to go jack off. Like, God, I hope not. I hope not. To them, it was more of a duty to find out. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was a divine purpose. A responsibility. It was a divine purpose. Well, it explains, too, the control that they carry. Even, like, I know we don't like Mr. Motherfucker feeding her, but even then, like, there is a like there's a line. It's like he beats her up until a point, and then he's like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that's, like, the same face I have when I make spreadsheets, and I just don't give a shit about them. Yeah. It's, and the woman, it's my job. Yeah, and the woman even shows her that tenderness at the end before things get really the worst, but yeah. she's, like, gives her that moment of, human affection like she lets her hold her hand and like puts it up to her face like yeah if she were truly i guess evil she probably would have slapped her in that moment away from her i i i think these people are evil but in a different sense of the regular villain evil well it's like they're evil but they have i guess a kind of a good intention like they're they believe what they are doing it's kind of like killing a few to save the many Mm. kind of thing where 
Like, they know what they're doing is just absolutely god-awful. But they're still going to do it because they want to know. It's their purpose. It's their job. It's their livelihood. It's what they've been raised to believe in. It's all this. And what they're doing is they're creating these idols to put on a pedestal. So for the four that have transcended, they... Are basically gods to them. Almost worship them. Yeah, they really do. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Yeah. sort of a god, like these gods among them. Because all of them are too old to do it anymore, so they know they can't make it. Yeah. So it's like, I will never be as great as Anna is. And now she's transcended, and she's come back, and has spoken about it. Yeah. And I think my theory uh, makes sense on why Mademoiselle shot herself is because she then realized what she did. Because, you know, it's a far stretch, like, I'm making a very far stretch, but I know people can get very caught up into things and not realize the consequences of their actions. Mm, Like they're seeing all the little details and not seeing the big picture. Yes. What they've done. Mm. Yes. So I think it finally got to her, like, I did this. I ended up being right. But, oh, God, at what cost? Yeah. Well, why, not, why not tell her other fucking lackeys y'all should kill yourself? Lead by example? But they don't why know why. Why didn't she make some Kool-Aid ahead of time? <laughs> yeah, why didn't they make Kool-Aid? Mademoiselle's a terrible host. Yeah. I mean, that would have made a lot more sense if she just gave everyone Kool-Aid. And then shot herself in the head. Oh, that would have been an actually super epic ending. So they're all standing there. Oh they're drinking God. Kool-Aid. They drink the Kool-Aid, and she says, keep doubting. She shoots her head, and they all start, like, doubling over, dying from poison. And then it ends. Yeah, and it's not like they just fall over. It's like Joffrey, a Game of Thrones-style oh. poison. <laughs> and then oh, Anna's just smiling in her creepy bathtub. I really wish I got to remake this movie instead of Blumhouse. We'll just send a note like to Pascal. Pascal, if you're listening to this, do a re-edit for us. Yeah. I know it's already been remade, but... We are doing this for Cash Cow, me and Cat and Joe. We make this movie, it's for the art. So give us the rights for free. I swear to God, I'm sure if that actually happened, we could probably kickstart it. Maybe. Don't trust us, Kickstarter. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> I don't know. I would buy the house that we shot in and just live in it after. But we've already decided that that house doesn't exist. We'd have to buy like three. We have to buy kitchen house, we have to buy creepy basement house, and we have to buy we Franklin could, Wright house. Like, we could build a house for, what, 500000 Ooh, let's do it! Let's shoot this in a tiny house! Get one of those, like, shed houses. <laughs> and shoot this. It'll be Room and Martyrs makes a baby. Oh, that would be a terrifying movie. Like, all of this is happening. Rate that. But instead it's in Room. Have you guys seen Room? Yeah. We're getting off topic. Let's <laughs> get back onto this movie. Right. We should talk about Room, though, sometime. We should add it to the list. Yeah. Am I thinking of a different room? Like, the one that... The girl and the mom and the son live in. The Oscar-winning one. It's an incredible book, and I recommend the book so much. Brie Larson won the Oscar for it. Okay, I'm thinking of the Franco Brothers, so we're thinking of different movies. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You're thinking of the disaster artist based on the room. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. All right, moving on. (laughs) What was the toughest scene for you to watch? Me and Joe have the same answer. Oh, the staples? Oh, that scene oh. was so gross. Yeah, the gross. staples in the head with the mask. And as soon as she started pulling out the first one, that's when I hid my eyes. Like, I could not watch this. Oh. oh. Yeah, the bathtub was full of blood. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Close my eyes. 
Hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good bathtub scene. Just <laughs> <laughs> has every guy for every porn ever. When I watch Freedom George Michael video, I love the bathroom thing. The tub scenes are amazing. This not the same thing. <laughs> no, it is not. I'm gonna link that in the, in the episode description on the website. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I guess the hardest scene for me was kind of a weird one, but that kiss they share in the bath, like in the weird laundry in the bathroom. room, bathroom with the dead bodies. I, I, I was just like, this is not the moment. And I, I, it just made me uncomfortable because like, I'm not homophobic in any way, but I was like, this is not the time to be kissing. There's like dead bodies like all around you. Did you not watch Speed? With Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Did Keanu kill all those people? Did you not no, read Harry Potter? Kill. Yeah! They one. They did kill one on the bus. One under the tires because she tried to get off the bus. Hmm. But at the same time, it, just any sort of strenuous situation like that, it it just it exerts all of that... Hormonal um, energy? But it didn't yes. seem like... Um, for me, that Lucy was into it, like... I think Lucy's asexual. I mean, probably. Yeah. She probably doesn't want anyone really near her yeah. that way. Um, but that was just, like, a weird... It's just, like... It just made me uncomfortable, and it just, like, felt... <sighs> I don't want to say predatory on Anna's part, but maybe a little bit. I don't think it was predatory. That's just how it, like, came across. Okay. That's fine. I get that. Like, I don't think, like, anything, like, if, if Lucy, I don't think it would have progressed any further, but it just definitely felt like, that is weird. I don't know why you feel this way. I think it was her way of showing that she cared. Yeah. And didn't know how else to say it or express it. Well, she's saying... just came out with a kiss. Well, she says, well, she does that, but she's also doubting her. Like, she tries to take the mom out of the bathroom. Like, she tries to save the mom. Yeah. So part of her doesn't necessarily believe Lucy 100%. Well, I don't think she believes that the family necessarily had died, or that it was even the correct family. I even though she she's right. Her doubts. It is the correct family. Yeah, it is. But I think she still had her doubts that even if it looked like the picture, it's like, maybe they just look similar. Yeah, I guess that's true. People do tend to look alike. Yeah. And for her, it's like, why do we have to kill these people? I understand that they hurt you. I understand everything was done. That was 15 years ago. Can we just, like, let it rest and go live our lives together? I'm assuming, yeah. Uh, I guess that's something they don't really explain too much for that. I'm assuming they've been living together all this time before that. I, like, yeah, I think they've been together. Yeah, they were, like, cohabitating. Yeah. Maybe they were actually a couple. I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised. I won't be surprised, but I feel like Lucy's just not a sexual person because of everything that's been done to her. No, I get that. Even though it wasn't sexual, I still feel that all of that violence and stuff would build a shell around her to where she would have a very difficult time opening up to anybody, even to Anna, who's very close to her. Yeah, and her meeting Anna, I mean, is transformative at the beginning of the movie. Like That was you... so sweet. Yeah. Guys, we're going to go over that, how sweet, and how much I like the ending credits. Why do you guys think Anna was a martyr? I think Anna was a martyr because of her empathic nature and her willingness to help anybody that she comes across. Because I think that to transcend into martyrdom, and especially in the Christian religion, um, Jesus focuses on selflessness and helping others to get into the kingdom of heaven. But I'm a heathen, so 
I, I might not be correct on that. But that's how I interpreted why she was a martyr. How do you guys feel about that? At the end, um, they give the definition that they were using for martyr, which in French was actually the word for witness. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they were saying that it wasn't quite the exact same as a religious martyr, as, as Miriam Webster would write the definition. Yeah, I had always... Um, so I feel like they were saying that she was just a witness to what had happened because, I mean, even at the end, I still don't feel that she was dead at that point and that she was becoming a martyr. And she never voluntarily went into this. At the end, she did give in and just let go of everything because she oh, needed to in so order scary. to somewhat survive through it. But I don't really see her as a martyr other than in the definition of being a witness to what was beyond. Well, in the definition that they're using within the cult. Well, then, for me, my definition for martyr for her is the other definition that they give. Um, earlier on, before Anna starts being tortured, when Mademoiselle's explaining things to her, and she's like, martyrs bear the sins of the world. So in that sense, to me, she definitely is a martyr for them. She is bearing the sins that they're throwing out of that the torture that they are doing. Huh. I never thought of it like that. That's interesting. See, this is why I wanted to discuss this movie, because everybody just has so many different opinions and interpretations of it, and I just, oh, I love it when movies do this. I am excited. I'm bouncing up and down. Yay. Yeah, I read an article that said that same thing, too, that I thought was really good that Kat had just said. And then I read another article saying that the actual martyr was Mademoiselle. And I could not wrap my head around what they were trying to explain what? with it. But what? somehow she was being the martyr for all of them by killing herself. So she but dies I, knowing, taking the knowledge with her, so they remain ignorant and safe? I guess. Hmm. I didn't understand the article and what they were trying to say. I read it four times. Will like, you send it to me? I'd love to read it. I would like to be sent all of the articles and stuff y'all find, just so I can post them on the webpage. Okay. I can Google search them and send you links. That's easy. Awesome. All right. And another thing that really comes up during the topic of this film when discussing it with other people is the genre of torture porn. Which is, you know, like an Eli Roth movie, a Saw movie, a mo- a slasher movie where... August Underground Trilogy! Oh, yeah, that that was gratuitous for the sake of being that gratuitous. That was too much! This movie is not that. This movie is a lot classier. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, and I think what sets it apart from being, you know, quote-unquote torture porn, where people just go to watch some cool gore. And I totally get that. I mean, I'm super into that. I used to be, like, so super into it. If a movie, if a horror movie didn't have gore, I wouldn't watch it when I was, like, 15, 16, 17 years old. Like, oh, this doesn't have violence or blood and guts in it. Not interested. Yeah, I was really in not a great place. But anyway. I think one thing, too, to keep in mind, too, is that it is a French movie. Yes. And the French are a lot more reserved. Yes, on they their are. horror movies and their gore. I, I remember seeing, like... Sorry, this is like a tangent, just side comment. I remember watching this Gerard Depardieu movie in French class in, like, seventh grade. But I remember there being this scene where, like, um, good old Gerard is, like, jilted by his lover. And he, like, sews her ribbon into his stomach with, like, shitty twine and a needle. And Where it, like, the bleeds. fuck did you go to middle school? Holy comforter. 
the holy blanket in good old Tallahassee, Florida. I had a cool French class, okay? Um, but anyway, I remember, like, watching this scene. It sounds like, like Florida. The, well, yeah, basically. It was Florida. <laughs> Thanks, Florida. But um, the scene, like, the he doesn't, like, remove it, so it's like his skin is, like, gangrenous around the ribbon. Gross. So I was like, well, shit, if that's what that motherfucker's willing to do because this woman, like, doesn't want to bang him, like, what the fuck? Nice guys of the internet, you need to step up your game. Yeah, you don't really love women until you're gangrenous from a ribbon that you've sewn to your body. Step it up. It's it's not cool to just stalk women you want to bang them more. Play yourselves, gentlemen of the world. Prove your worthiness. I'm going to pull up my iCal and make a note of it so I don't forget tomorrow to do that. (laughs) Joe, you were excused for that because you've seen this movie. (laughs) Yeah. You're excused. So anyways, with Gerard Depardieu, I feel like that's just like a small section of the movie to where it's it's not like he's doing it through 45 minutes. No, it's definitely... They tortured her for a good... 45 minutes to an hour of just beating her up and feeding her goo and, and then flaying her alive. To, oh god, yeah. when they pulled out the fucking contraption to flay her in, like, when they pulled that out, my brain was like, what are they gonna do with that? Yeah, it was like, that's right half the goddamn budget right there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you said. <laughs> um, I'm saying GD a lot, and excuse me for that, if we have any people who are offended by that word, I... I'm not going to lie, viewers. I believe if you're listening to this podcast about a French-language horror film, you're not going to care if we say goddammit. Still, I like to be... I like to be thoughtful of others. Fuck all y'all. Just kidding. You guys are wonderful and delightful. Thank you for listening. <laughs> God damn it! You said you wanted us to be extra. This is extra. <laughs> Anyway, I, um, so this is different from a Saw or a Hostel movie because the violence serves a purpose rather than just there to entertain the masses. Yeah, it's not, it's not violence you want to turn your brain off to. If anything, it's violence that makes you question why they're doing the violence. Yeah, it's not about, it's not a violent movie. There's actually this book by... Alexandra West about the whole uh, genre movement of New French Extremity, which Martyrs is a part of, that she states that the whole genre of movies from this movement is, they're not violent movies, they're films about violence and the aftermath of violence and how it affects us. And what we go through after we experience that violence. That's definitely a big theme for the first movie. Well, if we're going to count this as like two separate movies, the first half of this movie. Yeah. How violence has affected the lives of Lucy, Anna, and everyone else surrounding them. Yeah. And there was a quote from the director that I think was good, too, that kind of touches on that. And he said, quote, The film is only really about the nature and the meaning of human suffering. I mean, the pain we all feel on an everyday basis in a symbolic way. The film doesn't talk about torture. It talks about the pain. Unquote. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not about the torture. It's not about 
any of that. It's about the, the pain and the suffering that we're all going through. And I don't feel that he's just referring to the pain that Anna was going through, but even the pain of the well-dressed, white, rich people, that they're feeling the pain and they want to know that there's going to be some comfort after this life. Privileged. <laughs> Why can't we help them? Somebody help the white people. Thirty million a year. The neighbor next door is making forty million. How am I ever going to compete? I won't be able to get my Land Cruiser. My seventh Land Cruiser. I needed my Sunday Cruiser. Here I am, being able to worry about buying underwear off Amazon. I'm kidding, but it's expensive on there. Just kidding. It's like $12 for a pack of six. That's a lot for very little fabric. Moving There's on. There's a lot of underwear in this movie, just to pull it back. <laughs> there. There's a lot of people in their underwear in this movie. You do, but it's not sexual. No, definitely not. There's a lot of nudity in this movie, but it's... It's definitely not sexual. Like, anytime you see a bare breast in this movie, at no point are you like, ooh, them titties. You're just like, oh, God. You're not like, ooh, nipple! Yeah, no. I mean, especially the... Especially for the girl that she... Anna helps before she gets captured. No. Like that. Ooh, Bessie. Anytime you see that much, for me at least, it was like, I want to see less flesh. Yeah, I like... Movie. Yeah, I want to give you a robe. I'm seeing is being torn to pieces. No. Okay. I want people to keep their clothes on so I don't have to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just visualizing all this stuff, and now it's making me sad. Yeah. Uh. So we kind of touched on this, but... um. In relation to other media, I really think this does take an interesting perspective on how people deal with PTSD, because it is, I don't know if it's mentioned in the movie, but I did see it in a couple articles that Anna was abused as well when she was a child, not to the extent that Lucy was, but she well, wasn't. Anna in, in an orphanage? Yeah. Okay. So. Everybody knows French orphanages are hot. Well, like, we don't know what got her there. Mm. You know, they, it was the 70s. They put you... They did, I don't even know if they had a foster care system. Wait, no, she's not an orphan. She talks to her mom. I, maybe she got adopted, or maybe, like, her mom gave her up. No, wait, no, 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 no. Her mom couldn't have given her up. Because the conversation they have where she's like, are you just off gallivanting with that girl still? They have a relationship, even if it's a strained one. If she knows enough that, like, she's still with Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it feels very estranged because she's like, why are you calling me? What do you want? You only call me when you want something. So they're not on really great terms. Yeah, maybe Maybe Anna's mom gave her to the orphanage when she was a kid and they reconnected as adults. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened is that they reconnected later on. So, yeah, like, Anna was probably abused as a child. I kind of imagine them at, like, Little Orphan Annie's Orphanage. <laughs> oh, no. They're being abused, and there's nothing you can do because Miss Hannigan's in charge. I just, wait, wait, how does that song go? Oh, <laughs> my God, is the scary it's monster lady Miss Hannigan? Yeah, maybe. How does this, like... How does it go? I can't remember now. I'm so mad at myself. My Annie knowledge is not in my brain. It's been pushed out by martyrs. I'm a little upset by that. <laughs> Watch Annie after this. How's Tim Curry? He'll be fine. Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry. Oh, come 
tomorrow. Now I just picture Anna singing that. Oh, God. She's being tortured. Or no, it would be great is if Lucy did it after she slit her throat and her throat was singing it. And then she just passes out. Am I going to hell, guys? I don't know. You'd have to ask Anna. this question. I don't know if it's a question you were going to ask. Cool. Do I mean, do you guys think there's something else beyond? I was going to ask that. But, oh, sweet. But we'll go ahead and talk about it since it's, you know, in theme with the movie and you brought it up. Um, I'm just going to say I hope not. Like, I just want it to be like a forever nap with no dreams. Like, and if it has to be something, can it just be like puppies and clouds? Hi, what's my name? Puppies and rainbows. Cat? Oh, shit. I'm a terrible person. What? Why are you a terrible person? Because you won't be there because you're not a puppy. No, I'm not a puppy. Sure. Not a big dog person. Sorry, listeners. It's fine. But all dogs go to heaven. Aww. I also can't think of that movie, though, without thinking about that poor little girl who got fucking murdered. Oh, that's so sad. God. Oh. Nothing has joy anymore, guys. There's no joy. Only Zool. <laughs> Sorry, Pascal. This movie was very serious. We take this movie very seriously. We do. Please don't judge us. We do. We're just dumb Americans. <laughs> that, that can be described, like, to excuse the humor. We're just Americans. We're just dumb Americans. We can't help it. I'm sorry. I created a monster. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's very entertaining. Thank you. Okay, but I just want, like, Puppies and kitties and clouds and maybe some bunnies and a ferret who doesn't smell bad. It doesn't exist. <laughs> no, but it's heaven, so it can exist there. Maybe they don't smell in heaven. Oh my god, that'd be great. You're gonna try and send because you're having your nose censored. Having your nose senses deprived. Sorry. And I guess then rabbits won't poo. No. That's things. Yeah. You don't have to clean litter boxes. Oh my god. Maybe they'll poo like flowers or something. Ice cream. Ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> I don't think I would want to eat rabbit poo in heaven, even if it tastes like ice cream. What if they just actually poop like an ice cream sandwich because it's heaven? Uh, like it's wrapped in everything. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world are you eating these rabbits? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a world-class rabbit breeder, Joe. Get to know me. <laughs> We're getting very off topic. I'm sorry, guys. Let's steer this back towards murders. Okay. Uh, Kat, what do you think about the afterlife? Um, I honestly don't believe there is in, uh, in an afterlife. Um, I think it's kind of you get one shot. Smoke them if you got it. Do it if you can. Uh, if you don't, then it doesn't really matter. You don't get to live in a life of regret because you're dead. This is why I'm friends with Kat. What? <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. Do it if you can. <laughs> Words to live by. I mean, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Joe. Yes. What about you? Uh, grew up in a very conservative Christian household. I'm still kind of hold on to all of those values and beliefs and everything, so I do believe that there is something. 
okay. after all of this, um, which would also explain how people will see different things in like haunted houses and stuff like that. So even if the whole Bible of Christianity thing is incorrect, I still think that the spirits somehow live on. No, um, no. We're telling the story. We're telling the story on here now that we're speaking of afterlife because I, the only time I doubt that there's nothing after is when I see spirits. And a couple of years ago, me and Joe were living together in my old apartment. Not living together, living together. We were roommates. We were roommates. We were roommates. Men and women can't live as friends. That's impossible. Just kidding. That definitely is possible. That's half my roommates right now. Yeah. Don't be so conservative, <laughs> <Okay, what>? listeners. <laughs> I'm going to assume you guys are from Georgia. I don't know. Whatever. Me and Joe were talking about ghosts one time, and, like, it, it was in my apartment. Do you remember this, Joe? Uh-huh. Okay. I do. And it was the creepiest goddamn thing, and I... And I told, and like, we just talked, because we worked at a haunted house together, where there were a lot of, like, freaky deaky shit going on, like... Which was also haunted, too. Yeah, it was... Our haunted house was a haunted hotel, where a prostitute killed herself. Yeah, it was not okay. Amongst other things. I have some terrible memories of encounters there, and true goddamn story, you guys, I... Me and Joe were talking, we were talking about our experiences with paranormal, and I said, I think this apartment is haunted. You know, sometimes I see someone in the doorway. And Joe said, oh, does he wear a yellow jacket? I see him too. Oh my god, what the fuck, guys? For real? Yeah, that happened, right, Joe? It did happen, but I was totally making that up. <laughs> but I got it right. You made that up? Yeah, I, I never saw, like, a yellow jacket. But I would see, like, out of the corner of my eye, I would see, like, shadows and stuff. But I made up the yellow jacket, and somehow I got that right. So maybe. I don't know, maybe subconsciously I knew that there was a yellow jacket on this thing. That's Because I remember, about like, that's... the doorway. And yeah. also where I had my bed in that corner. Yeah. I would just see, like, figures out of the corner of my eye. Not figures, one figure, a figure out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, I think... in the kitchen or something. I think some dude may have killed himself in my doorway at my old apartment. Glad I'm not ever going to your old apartment. No, you're not. No, don't. (laughs) That's creepy. That was really creepy. And I lived on my own there, besides the couple months Joe lived with me. Mm Mm-mm. So, we have really gotten off track. But I I do like that story. (laughs) Because it's creepy as shit. Joe, I think you put in these. Why do you think younger people were more resilient in the testing? What does this say about older adults or adults? Yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that they were talking about, the that the children were more resilient and the children were more apt to be able to reach that transcendence. That's because we're too goddamn stubborn. That's exactly what I was bringing up too, is that the kids... They, they can let go. They can let go of reality, and adults seem to hold on to their beliefs. They hold on to everything that they know, whereas the kids is like, it's still a whole new world that they're learning. They're more malleable. So I thought it was a very interesting thing that that was one of the things that they had brought up, is that these young kids were able to transcend. They were able to let go. They were able to go into this other dimension, almost, that the I... adults just could not do. 
That's a theme that comes up a lot sometimes in science fiction, especially, you guys have seen Fringe, right? They use kids a lot in the testings for, like, trying to unlock, like, powers, like, trying to push human I've, beings beyond. I would see Fringe. It's usually with kids. It's usually kids, younger adults. Well, that's why there are a lot of, like, creepy kid movies, because kids are supposedly more subjected to the paranormal. Yeah. Sub- Susceptible. Whatever they said to paranormal. I, I can't say that word, you guys. Yeah. Malleable. They're malleable. Malleable. Did I say that right? Yeah. Malleable. Cool. Cool. All right. Besides my mush mouth. All right. Um, to answer that, I think younger people are more resilient, too, because, I mean, no offense to, like, well, most of them, especially the people in, like, the, in the cult group, they're all old and frail. Yeah. Like, they, they adults make, after a point, like, they're, it's they, easy to break. They get lightly bitch slapped and then die. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, like, we laugh, but I mean, people, like, when you're a kid, you fall, it's not likely you're going to break a leg. When you're older, you fall, like, you've broken your ankle, you've broken your leg. Like, they can't, they can't take those kinds of beatings. No. I feel like the adults would just keep holding on to life. It's like, I'm going to make it out of this, I'm going to live, I'm going to keep fighting. Whereas yeah. the kids... They, they can let go of that. It's like, I, this is the way things are, because this is the way I was brought up, basically. So wait, does that mean Lucy didn't have a life before that? How long did they have Lucy? Had they had Lucy since she was an infant? Since she was a small child? Just a few months? But even as a small child, you're not going to remember the majority of your childhood. If no, they got really. her at five years old, you only remember stuff after you're, what, three? So that's still the majority of her life. She yeah. was, like, ten running away from there. I was just curious, though, if we knew how long she had been there. I don't think they mention it. No, I don't think Was they no one looking that. for her? Like, did she not have parents? Like, she obviously wasn't... Well, the police didn't know where she was. They only found it, like, after. Yeah. But she clearly has speech, because she can talk to the doc, like, she talked to the police. Yeah, or maybe she, like, just showed them where it was. Maybe they just drove around, she pointed. Hmm, that's true, so they could have taught her language. Hmm. Hmm. Well, then do we count, would we count Lucy, then, as, like, a feral child? I don't think she's feral. I'm not sure. That's interesting. God, this movie raises so many questions, I love it! Alright, next question. If we're all done with that one... Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. How far in the process do you think you would get before you broke or you can transcend? I think it's. I'm not a martyr. I would not be a martyr. No, I couldn't make it either. I I would want to die. I think the moment I saw that creepy ass check. <laughs> so you'd make it to the hallucinations? Uh, no. I would make it to like fucking. I would. I I would like. I would go down there where she sees the pictures, and I'd probably, like, fall back and faint, and then, with the luck that I have, hit my head and die. I'd probably do the same thing, but I would force it. I would either use those chains, because they give everyone chains, which you could just choke yourself out with. That's another thing. I'd probably kill myself, so they wouldn't have the the satisfaction. Yeah, or I would just beat myself to death with a fucking chair. Yeah. Or drown myself in my pee. I'd just gather my pee and drown myself in it. No, what I would do is I'd fake it. And then, when Mademoiselle just, um... You'd fake transcending or you'd fake I'd being alive? I'd fake transcending. Okay. And then when Mademoiselle came to talk with me, I would just let out the biggest, loudest, wettest fart I could. <laughs> I think that would be the same <laughs> 
Pascal is taking you. Diaper change, and I would just pee all over her. Wow, you guys. <laughs> You're not even gonna, like, Mike Tyson that shit? Like, bite her ear off? Come on. <laughs> I don't think I'd have enough strength. I'd have enough to relax to where I could urinate, but I don't think I could muster up enough strength to bite her ear off after being beat up and flayed. I would reserve my strength to let out a huge part. Now I want to ask this question, because we're talking about it, but they should cut off her, like, skin for around her butt. Like, wouldn't that mess with... I guess it didn't mess with the muscles, but would you, I guess you then see the muscles contracting for the part? This is a dumb question. Never mind. <laughs> I, I retract the statement. Back it up. Back it up. Rewind. <laughs> We're in the fantasy element. Like, I can imagine, like, if someone can be alive, completely flayed, I think. Except for her face, which is endearingly creepy. Yeah, that was so fucked up. Because, like, you... I think it would have been less creepy if they cut off her face as well. But they kept her face, and the blood on her face looks like fucking freckles. And she looks almost, like, kind of, like... It's, like, beautiful and, like, a very haunting, like, this is really fucked up way. Yes. It's like looking at, like, someone's, like, fucked up leg after a motorcycle accident. You're like, that is incredibly brutal, but, like, kind of crazy awesome. I think they kind of needed to keep it, too. In order to see when she transcended. I mean, you can kind of see it in the eyes, but I think also you needed to see it in the face. And if you cut the entire face off, yeah. you don't have to lose a lot of I think that that's, visual of if they're transcending or not. I think that's True. why as well. You know, I think if she was alive, albeit in a catatonic state or very near death, but still alive. Oh, Matt props to the guy who cut off all her skin. He did a, a very clean job. That was very nice of him. He did a good job. Um, I, I think he could manage to other part. And no infection through that whole thing, which was great. Uh, do they even care about an infection at that point? I mean, they put her under a fucking heat lamp, like a friggin... Ugh. Like, <laughs> what's something that you put under a heat lamp? Like, food that's warming. That's so gross. Like, you put, like, food at a restaurant. Kentucky Fried Person. She has no skin to keep herself warm. But it, like, burns the muscles. The muscles don't have the protectant. Like, I actually wasn't sure if the... I wasn't sure, actually, if the part where they put the sunlight on her, if that is a continuation of the torture. Or just to keep her alive. Yeah, or just to keep her alive. I think it was probably both. Uh, We already played you. Here's just a little extra salt in the wound. I think one of the articles I said was, like, I like that they just burn, they give her, like, the worst muscle burn ever, instead of just throwing some fucking lemon and salt on her. I know, just, like, just pee on her. <laughs> wow. There's no jellyfish in this movie. <laughs> just stink her with jellyfish and pee on her. We need to get back on topic. Okay, um, was this an anti- or oh, religious so this question, the question that you're reading now was not exactly how I wanted to state things. Okay. Um, it was more of a statement, but I didn't know how to state it. Okay. That I thought it was great that it was written without the religion part thrown into the well-dressed, white, rich people. Oh, yeah, there's no re- religion mentioned in this at all. I know, I yeah. think that's pretty great. Yeah, I liked how he did that, and it wasn't all of a sudden, hey, the Catholics are so evil, or the... The extremists are so evil, it was just, these are a group of people just looking for the afterlife. There is no religious movement. There is no, um, any of that. To be it fair. It was just people of any sort of walk of life. 
Well, we touched on To that. be fair, I think if any sector of religion were supposed to do that, it's, it'd be the Mormons, and they don't exist in France. Haven't they tried? I feel like I've seen Mormon missionaries in France. <laughs> I don't think it's working, but I feel like I've seen them. But maybe Was not. Was it just because they were wearing white shirts on a bicycle? They had name tags on, but to be fair, I was wandering the streets of Paris, like, drunkenly with some friends, so I could have been mistaken. And they were just leaving Office Depot after they clocked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the touching back on this... I'm the, joking about the Mormon thing. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, going back, we touched on this earlier when we were talking about... Um, or I guess when I mentioned that this is not a new thing, like torturing and suffering to transcend. So maybe they left it like that as a nod to the fact that this is something that has been practiced in a myriad of religions throughout the centuries. Yeah. 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 Um, my perspective on that, uh, this film is in a niche genre of, I mentioned this before, but New French Extremity, which was a movement in the early 2000s to the late 2000s that was extreme transgressive films, starting with more art house dramas, transitioning into horror that uh, was an act of defiance against the conservative government that was coming into France at the time. It's so interesting, but I'm not going to get in too much into that because it's really cool, but I will talk about it forever. But if you want to read about it, there's this awesome book I mentioned earlier. It's by Alexander Quest. Send me that link, I'll read it. Okay. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's real cool. I think all of you guys should read it if you're into this. It covers... Gaspar Noé, Ant Irreversible, uh, High Tension, other French movies that came around about the same time. And so... Oh god, I forgot about Irreversible! No! Why did you bring that up? No! Sorry. Alright, so I don't think this film has anything to do with religion itself, but maybe criticizing blind followers of religion, government, or any other authoritarian organization. However, if I were to make this movie, I would make it religious, but the point being, you don't get bliss after life by being a follower. You have to actively live your life in a way that helps and benefits others, like Anna, which is why she achieved martyrdom. And while I myself am not religious or Christian, I um, I do believe Jesus followers uh, follow the word of him and follow his acts of kindness and good. Or at least I believe that's how they should do things. Because Jesus was a very cool dude who does a lot of noble things for good cause. And so not Republican Jesus. Anyway, that's how I feel about it for that topic. And Joe had asked another question. Do you feel, feel like Lucy's revenge was justified? And yeah, I do. I'm not a fan of those who torture for personal gain. And I believe people like that are better off not being alive for the sake of humanity. Do you feel the entire family was justified? Mm-hmm. Do you feel the kids needed to be killed? Do you think they actually knew what was I don't think they needed to be killed. I think the son might have known. The, the hesitation that he gave before, no. May, not the daughter, but maybe the son. Yeah, I don't think the daughter knew. But maybe the son had some kind of idea. Yeah, I mean, he kind of was like, uh, no, I don't know what Like, how did. would you miss that living in that house? Like, But I, I, yeah, that's... The daughter could have very well been in the dark, but I don't think the son was. 
Maybe that's why they wanted him to go to law school. If he ever got caught, they'd have a lawyer. Actually, that's, I didn't even think about that. That could be a thing. Like, they were grooming him to be able to protect them. Yeah. That's That's a good point. And he just kind of wanted to go off and bang his girlfriend. And the daughter gets free by swimming. She gets free by, like, going into the Olympics, going into, like, the sports circuit. Like, she gets out of that life. Yeah, or it's a good cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. Like, wholesome French white family. It's like O.J. Simpson. Wow! Oh. If he's famous, he can get away with anything. Yeah. If he did it. If he did it. We have a long, long list of shit I could get into about that, but we're not going to on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I also feel that Lucy's revenge is justified. I understand completely where her actions are coming from. I completely get it. Um, I do think maybe a better way to have gone about getting her revenge would be to, like, prove they're doing it and then stopping them by calling the cops. Because that's something that doesn't happen throughout this entire fucking movie. There is no cops. There is no law enforcement. There, It's just fucking pure chaos in this French neighborhood here. Yeah. But you also gotta keep in mind, this was not Lucy's choice. She was acting on the influence of Lady Gollum. True. True. So it wasn't she was like, oh, I need to kill these people because of what they did to me. She was trying to do it to get released. Yeah, but it's kind of like... Chasing her. Yeah, but in a way, that's, that's kind of like... That's kind of like people who kill others for a god. So you think. Sort of, but I really don't feel that Lady Gollum was a god to her. No, Lady Gaul was definitely a demon. Yeah. Anything. She was a fucking specter of pain and guilt and regret that Lucy carried with her every waking moment of her life. That's true. Yeah. That's true. She's just a lot, like, that woman's basically just like a walking metaphor for pathos. Yeah. Dude, that scene where we find her, though, after Lucy has escaped, like, with her mouth sewn shut, and, like, you see her, and she's, like, being shocked, right? Like, they're shocking her. Yeah. Like, they're doing a different type of torture. It's like they get more elaborate with the torture. Or, I guess they get more effective with it? Efficient? Yeah. That's the word for that. Um, But yeah, when you see that scene, and like, we don't even know how long that woman suffered after that, but Lucy sees her suffering forever. Yeah, the woman. Yeah, the girl. Poor fun woman. I think she's the only one who's unnamed. Everyone else has a name. Yeah, everybody has a name in this movie. Even even, uh, staple Pfizer girl, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Poor Sarah. Mm, that was hey. upsetting. Um, would you or have you buried <laughs> dead you? bodies for a friend? Okay, all of us. If we buried anybody, let's not admit to it. Let's not say it on a podcast. <laughs> let's not get Shit. ourselves incriminated. Let's not do that. Would, not tonight. Well, would, would you have that sort of loyalty to one of your friends? If one of your friends... All of a sudden, it's like, hey, this person screwed me over and was, like, trying to kill me. I'm going to kill them. Can you help me get rid of the body? Would you be that loyal? If I knew I wouldn't get caught, that's a solid maybe. I might edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Here, I'll be the one incriminated. It's a very tough decision, but depending on the situation and stuff. It depends on the circumstance. Yeah, like, like, 
Dexter's killing bad people, but at the same time, you shouldn't be killing people, but they're all bad people. Dexter's my role model, so there's my answer. <laughs> you know, it's kind of reminds me of a recent movie that came out called Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I saw ads for that while I was in England, but I... Oh, that was a good movie. Uh, it was a good movie. I'd like to discuss it at some point, but the, the cops don't really do anything. So if it was a situation where I knew where the cops wouldn't, weren't doing anything if a really good friend of mine had been hurt... Wait, are they the cops in I, Tanya? Let, let's, let's not get into the discussion of how I feel about cops. That's... <laughs> As we go into Super Troopers. <laughs> Um, super troopers are the best cops. Anyway, wouldn't get caught. They had a very good reason. Like, I don't know. Like, I I live for vi- vigilante justice. So, let's say my friend got, like, brutally raped, and the guy or girl who raped her, I, I don't discriminate, um, got away scot-free, I would be like, let let's send this motherfucker. I'm on the same wavelength. If it was some, if it was something like awful like that, not like my friends like this person cut me off in traffic. Let's go kill them. I'd be like, bitch, get your priorities in order. No, but, but if someone like, says like if someone tortured or like brutalized someone that mattered and was important to me, I think it would take a lot to get me to not help them. Yeah, yeah, maybe I wouldn't like, oh, let's, like, go kill them with a shotgun. Maybe I would just, like, wait outside their apartment or house, wait till they were jaywalking and not stop my car. Like, they were jaywalking. I'm in the right. Yeah, like, or, like, at the worst, something manslaughtery. Just a little side of manslaughter. Like, maybe arsenic in a muffin. Accidental manslaughter. I am a very big proponent of gun control, so I think... If I were to kill anybody, it would be without guns because I, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite and I firmly believe people who are mentally insane should not have guns. Can I teach you a quick knockout method? Thank you, Kat. That's so nice of you. Called the hammer. Animal, squeeze the button. <laughs> Grab your throat. It's the handle. Squeeze the button. That's your judgment. Yeah, I know that one. That's good. Thanks, Venture Bros. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, I like that, well, maybe since Kat brought up the point that Anna may have been a bit predatory in her behavior, which I don't disagree with, I like that there was a gay main character in a movie that was representative as a caring, kind, human being person. Not a thing that's come up. What? Gay main character who's like... In horror movies. Oh, just, okay, specifically horror movies. In horror movies. I guess I don't really think about like, orientation a lot with horror movies, because then they like, come up and, like, what we've been talking about, like, well, the you know, films. Like, even, like, going back to Buffalo Bill, queer characters in horror movies aren't really represented well. Hmm. I feel like that's in, like, most movies. If the, if the main character is gay, there's usually a huge emphasis on it, and not that they are a character and that's just one aspect of their life. Yeah, Typically, that's fair. It's, very, very emphasized, and, and it's like, here's a spotlight on it. Yeah, and I'm going to be airing this show during Pride Month as part of our Pride Month watch. Okay. So, thought I'd throw that out there, because it's a kind of, sort of, queer movie where there's a queer character, and there's also an asexual character in Lucy. And I, 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 like, I like Joe's point, where in a lot of movies with queer people, being queer is a part 
of their whole story, while Borgame have been be like huge part of their whole story, while this is just kind of a side part. Yeah, I think it's more their friendship Anna. is the focal point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of their relationship, whether or not they have like that kind of romantic relationship, it's a total possibility. It's never, it's it's never yeah. clearly defined. I mean, I think Anna loves Lucy that way. I don't know. I if think Lucy... Lucy loves Anna, but I don't think it's in the same way. I don't think it's in the same way, and maybe because I mostly because I don't think Anna can process. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, sexual don't... romantic feelings. Oh, you mean Lucy can process? Lucy that? can process sexual or romantic feelings due to her trauma, which is a thing. Anyway, the moral of this movie is. Rich people are probably up to something highly, to some highly illegal shit and cannot be trusted. Like, I'm probably going to put in, like, two hours worth of Trump quotes about Russia right here. Um, Joe also wrote Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. systematic torturing of people and emotional hurt. Taking advantage just because you're rich. And because you can get away with it. Yeah, he's still not in jail, and that makes me sad. But on the bright side, Bill Cosby's going to jail. Yay! Um, so I have a couple of questions. Yes. I see we're running down through our list. Yes, and Um, I also have a question from a friend on my Facebook. Sweet! Yay! So, well, we have, like, four different questions, but we all kind of went over all of them. Well, there's two I want to ask. Have I lost friends over this movie? Y'all are still here, so... Yeah, I was here, what, Saturday? Yeah, it's fine. I have a lost friends over this movie, no, but I I probably would if I recommended it to more of my, some, say, vanilla friends. Yeah, I would not recommend this to... I love you, Joan, but I would never recommend this to you. <laughs> I was gonna say, I've gained a friend in cat by this movie, so... Oh, I'll never forget you now. <laughs> Well, Until we, the next podcast. Well, we are okay. Still, we'll forget each other, darling. And Ryan Cadaver, thank you, Ryan. Asks, do you think a society like this could or does actually exist? And we'll bring it full circle onto why I think this is the scariest movie ever. Is not just because of some creepy ass lady, even though she's terrifying. Is because I really do think humans are capable of this type of thing. Oh yeah, there's there if there's and not it's a been group, done. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's been done. If it hasn't been done, it's going to be done if it's not already being done now. Yeah. The likelihood is already that like two flatliner movies. What? Flatliners. They made two of those movies. You know it's being done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Wait, mean, I'm sure. I never saw those movies. Are they the same plot? It's. They, what they do is they kill themselves to see the afterlife and then bring themselves back. Oh. So they're purposefully dying to try and see what the afterlife is like. Oh. So they'll kill themselves for two minutes and then revive themselves in a group setting. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that, but I did not I did hear about that plot. But yeah, no, there's groups like that. There's groups like this. There are groups that will do whatever means necessary for the greater good for the purpose of gaining this knowledge. And they will they will torture and hurt whoever they need to to get there. I mean, the f- I don't know if it's the final or second final, but that when Anna's down in the torture chamber and she sees the pictures that are in the lights and there's this frail uh, person, and we thought it looked like a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, it did. I mean, they were so malnourished. Like, I mean, you could see every yeah. rib. They were they were totally like all of their. Yeah, part of so, like, shit like this has happened, 
in some people's recent lifetime. Well, one, one of the other pictures was a car crash victim. Yeah. That's within the past 100 years. Oh my god, it's going up on cars being 100 years old. What? What is it, 1920 was the first I meant, one? like, torture of people in the past 100 years. Well, I think there's something interesting about the pictures. She, I know Mademoiselle explains them, but it didn't seem... I don't like, think they were purposely them. martyred. Yeah, I think some of them were like the car crash victim. It was a, just an accident. Yeah, but um, a lot of these were just sick people or medical or photographing end of life or a tragic accident. I don't think they were actually murdered. Yeah, I don't think anybody was like, hey, let's torture these people and then let's do that. No, I think why they torture people is because they saw a connection in the eyes and got a theory. God knows where they got that theory. Eyes are such a big deal, especially Anna's eyes in in this movie, because Anna's eyes in the beginning are very determined, and they see right through the interviewers. Like, her little, like, child's eyes, like, the casting that they did for that child was phenomenal. Oh my god, the casting is so good. But her eyes, like, gaze through and into the people she's talking to. Like, I have never seen a small child have as determined of a gaze as that actress, as that little actress. That was good. They did a really good job. But I guess that draws the emphasis to her eyes at the end when she has transcended as martyred. Like, her eyes are still determined, but they are unseeing. What if they... I, I'll look into this, but I think they probably cast the small actors after they did oh, all probably. the other stuff. Yeah, definitely. Just so they can get the characteristics together. And line I was reading... Um, one of the articles I was reading, the director was talking about casting the two girls as they were, I guess, about 17-ish or Uh 20-ish, the main character girls. And he said he had such a tough time finding people for these roles. One, because he didn't want anybody to walk into this blindly. So anytime he found somebody that was like, hey, did you want to be in this movie? You've got talent, blah, blah, here's the script. He said there was, like, dozens that never responded back. Oh, yeah. I would not believe them. They'd probably be like, uh, I get what at the end? I'm what? I'm going to get this shit beat out of me? It was either Anna or Lucy. I don't remember which one that he cast second. But the second one, he said that once he found her, it was like, you're it. That is the person I want. They did no interviews. They did no auditions. He just knew it was like, I'm willing to bet that was a woman he cast as Anna. Yeah, because you would need to be you'd need to be a fairly fierce and determined individual to be like, I can conquer the part of this role. This is probably the most probably one of the most dedicated roles ever to exist. Yeah, I think both of their roles were very demanding emotionally. Oh yeah. For them to have to repeatedly go to those places. Not to mention the actresses that were cast as Sarah and Lady Gollum. I feel like they were just stunt people. Yeah, but still. I mean, that's true. They really conveyed it. I mean, I guess I can see that more with Sarah's character, because, like, that moment they they hinted this a few times in the movies, those moments of small affection. Like, when Sarah gets Anna's hand, like, Anna reaches for her, and Sarah takes that hand, and she starts nuzzling her leg. I think conveying that sort of, like, desperate craving for affection and attention yeah, is hard. I don't think any... Like, people are people are constantly like, I'm lonely, but that kind of loneliness is isolating in a way I think every... most everyone will never understand. Yeah. Yes, Brian, I do think a society like this exists somewhere, possibly in America. Probably won't. Yeah, like, that's just kind of the sad 
hard truth of it. Throwing back to Mother, humanity is garbage. Yeah, we are. Um, well, the question I wanted to ask you guys, just for my own sake, because I just, I think I know why, but I'd like to hear y'all's opinions, is why don't you think Anna left? Wife left the house? Yeah, like, after, after the wife, after the mom got murdered, Lucy's obviously dead. I don't think she... She found Sarah, she saved Sarah, she's put her in the tub. Why didn't she leave? Or why didn't she leave even before she found Sarah, after Lucy is gone? Like, why, why didn't she go? What I don't think she say? knew that there was a need to. She killed the family. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Who's going to show up? She's not expecting the men in black to show up with shotguns. I mean, even if I weren't expecting men with shotguns to come find me, I wouldn't stay at the scene of a crime of a bunch of bodies. A goddamn horrendous crime. Yeah, like, it's not... But she stayed long enough just to get the other girl back to somewhat human. Yeah. yeah. She was just trying to take care of her. Where are you going to go with her? You're going to walk through the forest down to somebody else's house and try to take all that stuff off her with well, nobody again, noticing? Back to the question. She didn't call anyone. She called her mom. She didn't call, like, an ambulance, though. She could have called an ambulance for Sarah. You know, I was killing this family at this house, and I found this lady. Can you come pick her up? Yeah. Um, the girl I've been in love with since I was a child killed a bunch of people with a shotgun, and there's this lady that has a metal chassis belt and torture device around her head. I didn't do anything. You guys can trust me, even though my DNA is all over everything. Her DNA's not on the gun. Um, yeah, it was on other bodies. Yeah, I guess after she's thrown them in the pit. And accomplices can get the same sentence. Still, it's not the, it's yeah. the 1970s. It's not like her forensic science was that great. True. She could have left. I, I do have a She chance. has a car! She has a car! She could have taken Sarah to her car. Alright, we are picking it apart. Sorry, I'm just... I, I really want to know why you guys don't think she left. Like, why did she not leave? Plot holes, to be honest. Really? You think they're holes? There was no urgency to leave. That's the only... That's the only thing you got out of it? Okay. Yeah. Who's going to stop by? The family? The extended family? The mailman? It's not like there's neighbors around even to stop by and ask for sugar. And if they do, she just doesn't answer the door. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another thing I thought about when the guys, when the police at the beginning were interrogating Anna, um, I kind of had this brief thought because I had seen it, the movie, once before and I'd read up on a bunch. What if the cops were in on it? The organization. I mean, it's totally possible that members of the law enforcement were a part of the organization. Totally possible. Yeah. Hmm. That's true, because you don't see, like, Lucy doesn't have, like, a cop who's, like, protecting her. There's, like, obviously not someone who's, like, checking in on her. Yeah, and it makes... Why the fuck would they even let her go? Looking Ooh, like what if her mom was in on it and that's how they found her? Whoa. Whoa. Well, I think, no, I think they answered that in the movie, though. I think they're, like, the phone's been off the hook. We've been trying to call for hours. So I think because the phone's off the hook, it made the society nervous. And then they went out looking for that. So maybe she just hung up the fucking phone. I do have a theory of why it was placed in the 80s, though. Oh, hold on, though. That just brings up a crazy thought, though, for my head, which means Anna's mom is cold. That means, like... Anna stopped talking to her mom. Her mom, I guess, was, like, talking to her a while, realized Anna wasn't there, and instead of being like, huh, the line's not, the line's not dead, she didn't hang up, but she's not answering. Did they have caller ID back then? I don't know. I don't know if friends had caller ID. But she still, that just means her mom just, like, 
hung up. That's there was color ID in the 80s in the U.S. I don't know how early in the 80s. This is 83. I, I think the timeline is 83. No, I think it's 86 because 15 years after, and the title card said 1971. 1971. Yep, you're right. Um, I'm sometimes going to ask, but I, I have a theory of why this was set in the 80s because cell phones would have fucked everything up. Oh, yeah. That's like that's why yeah. no horror movies work in present day now. Yeah. Or they have to write it out. Yeah. Um, I listened to another podcast, and one of the guys on it, well, the only guy on it, states that, like, he's so tired of the line, my cell phone's not working, and that we should all just take it as written, and I think he has an excellent point. Or just have one brief moment where they all die. Like, everyone's standing too close to a magnet, and they all get sucked out of their pocket. And like, yeah. Not getting those back. Yeah, that's, that's why horror movies were so goddamn bad in the 90s. And by bad, you mean? No, they were awful. <laughs> they were kind of garbage fire. I love Scream. Not Scream. Scary movie. That's not really a scary movie. That's no, it's not. Um, Alright, fine. I guess... I just, I just had such a hard time understanding why Anna didn't leave. Like, if I were fucking Anna in that situation, I would peace the fuck out. Yeah. But where are you going to go? She has no home. She has nowhere to go to. They've been basically on the run, haven't they? Is that what the, is that the theory that they've been on the run? For I long? don't know. Are they I just on the like run from Lady Gaul, really or are they on the run from anywhere. a higher power? I don't know. It doesn't necessarily say that they're on the run, because, like... She's waiting. Well, not necessarily on the run from them, but I feel like they've been like traveling around, just like searching for this family. Yeah, that makes and sense. Stuff. So they're they've got no specific place that's home. So they may be an apartment that they've had for the last few months, but they were in an apartment before that for a couple months, and then a different apartment for a year as they keep trying to find this family. That's fair. Well, then why didn't Anna go with her? Mm-hmm. Anna let Lucy go by herself. Anna's the blame to all this. No, I don't think she's the blame, but... I'm joking. But it's definitely interesting, because, I mean, it's not... I mean, Lucy... I mean, unless we're going to complain about the fact that, like, the flashlight and the hammer materialized out of nowhere, the shotgun, I'm assuming, didn't materialize out of nowhere. She went there with the shotgun. Anna knows what's going to go down. Yeah. But I think Lucy was protecting Anna, so Anna would not know what was going on, so... I think that's possible. she was ever questioned by the cops... It's like, well, I didn't know, because she didn't. She can honestly say, I had no clue what was going on. I don't. Lucy calls her. Afterwards. Yeah, afterwards. Afterwards, that's true. And then she doesn't invite, she doesn't invite Anna. Anna invites herself. That's yes. Anna. Anna, Anna says, like, what's the fucking address? I'm coming there and getting her ass. And then walks in and it's like, oh, crap, you really messed this up. Yeah, this was, oh. Uh, Ryan also had another question. He had four in total. Answered most of them, but and we kind of answered this one. But maybe it's a little different. What part bothers you the most? Like what sticks in your mind the most? And you know, I think that's a bit different than we all kind of agreed on staples. I think something that stuck out to me a lot. Um, I don't know if it's like as big of a moment for you guys, but the scene. So. When we meet Sarah, she's in the corner, right? She's, like, hidden herself. Yes. And the scene where Anna goes to hide herself in the corner, like, really struck a chord with me. Because it was so scary. Like, the magnitude of her situation has hit her. That's interesting. Joe, what about you? I think it's just kind of a generic theme of the inhumanity of the entire movie all the way through. 
where you see this creature coming back and it's just doing inhumane things to Lucy. And mm. then you see Lucy come in and do inhumane things to this family. And then you see this creature eventually taking out Lucy, Lucy taking out herself in inhumane ways. And then all of a sudden the men in black show up to take out Anna and beat her up in inhumane ways. And it's just the, all of those things together, just the inhumanity of the humans just it affects you so much seeing that and realizing that how realistic this actually is or could be or happens yeah because you know i will say something i noticed about myself when i watch this is always and forever will be scared by lady Gollum. she freaks me the fuck out um but it didn't scare me as much this time i i was able to eat take a bite of slim jim during this movie. <laughs> I ate some lunch. Yeah. Anyway. I'm gross. Yeah. Oh. I had some skinless chicken and some skinless grapes. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm reading about the creepypasta um, we're, around. Oh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. Cool. Because um, Kat does have something she wants to share. I thought it was very interesting. But anyway, I think what bothered me the most and what uh how different what a different experience i had watching it this time was the people scared me more than the monster did than the creature did whereas the first time i watched this the monster scared me the most and while the people were creepy i didn't find them scary now i find them terrifying and i think that's why and i'm getting into politics a little bit is because I watched this movie before a month or so before Trump got elected. And watching this movie two years into a year and a half into the Trump administration, just seeing all the bull crap that people are able to lie about on a public platform and what's happening around the world and how people mock that, that are authoritarian figures, is just awful to me. It's insane. And uh, just, humans are scarier than monsters. End of story. Humans are the monsters. Humans are the monsters. Any fucked up thing, any horrible moment, any horrible thought, someone has done it, or is going to do it. It, There's, it's not, like, that's the scariest part about it. And some people won't even feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Slenderman stabbing. We won't get into that. But speaking of creepypasta, Kat has something she wants us to share, and then we'll get into the final round of our discussion. Cool. Because we've almost been at this two and a half hours. Uh, I still say, despite this being one of the longer podcasts we've done, this is the most organized one I've been It is, and I really enjoyed talking about this with you guys. And thank you so much for watching this movie. Thank you so much for discussing it with me. Like, I was worried, oh god, they're never going to talk to me again. But... (laughs) Have you met us? Yeah. Fucked up. Yeah, it's fine. That's all fine. But, Kat, what would you like to share? Alright, so in my wonderful Reddit creepypasta subreddit journey that I took after seeing this movie, which brought me to the Russian sleep experiment, another really fucked up scenario, which I won't go into because it's a quite a long one about, like, people being tortured during World War One. So if read you up on that. Send that to me. I'll sure. link it at the bottom of the page. Sure. Um, but this basically, um, they were talking about this urban myth that took place in 1983. Mm-hmm. So according to this, scientists were trying to study 
the idea of sensory deprivation on the human mind. So, this is where the influence for Mars is where it connects. So, the idea was to prove that if a human was deprived of all their sensory inputs, they would eventually come into contact with a higher plane of consciousness and perhaps even see or hear of God. So, the, doc the doctors were participating in this, and they actually found a subject to volunteer for this. And he is described as an older man who claimed to have nothing left to live for. Which, God, I would hope you would need to be to, in order to go through. So this was the first stage of his experiment, which was severing all of his nerve connections. That means they rendered all of his sensory organs, making him unable to hear, touch, taste, or smell. But he could still think and process. So he basically was trapped within his own brain. Um, it says here, according to it, after the first, first few days after his surgery, he could only mutter and mumble and grunt. But then after the first week, he began to speak more coherently and using comprehensible words. And then he started having conversations with his dead wife for oh. an extended period of time. So this is actually a true thing that can happen amongst people that are suffering from a degenerative neurological condition. Um, so a vivid hallucination or a vision. Kind of like sleep paralysis? Kind of like that. Or sort of like because you lose the sense, one of your other senses is heightened and maybe gets it wrong. Oh. Um, but this patient's, that says then here, the patient's hallucinations took a really wrong turn. Um, as the days went on, he could see and hear other dead people, people he did not know. And the doctors around him were realizing that he was describing their people, their long lost relatives, their loved ones, their dead relatives. This made them stop the experiment. Yeah, no shit. But, unfortunately, that guy still had all this shit happening to him. So he was still going through the stages of this torture. Eventually, all the voices became so much that he tried to injure himself beyond all meaning. Which is, I'm betting, really hard to do when you are more stunted sensory-wise than Helen Keller. Like, I'm betting it is real hard to figure out how to injure yourself. So apparently the guy's voices got louder and louder, and he started hearing words like, no heaven, there's no forgiveness. Finally, it got to the point where he was trying to kill himself so much, the doctors had to intervene. Um, so finally, this goes on for, I think, a few days of him trying to kill himself and them stopping him. Um, and they listened to him despairing in anguish, and they just watched him suffer. So they continue to let it happen. So finally, um, they're going in to change his feeding tube and one of the doctors says the patient had turned to face him, looked him directly in the eyes, and said, I've spoken with God and he has abandoned us. So the reason why I really was interested with that is that this connects back to potentially what Anna said to Mademoiselle. Yes. Have y'all seen Lost in Translation? I love that movie! I read a theory that uh, what Anna says to Mademoiselle is what Scarlett Johansson says to Bill Murray. Would you like to say it? We're looking it up. It's fine. It is a fabulous movie um, in a more lighthearted... It's not exactly like a happy movie, but it's definitely a lot more lighthearted than this one. So if you guys would like a fun, maybe not like happy-go-positive movie after this, maybe an in-between. Lost in Translation is an excellent excellent one. And if you just want some trippy ass shit, watch Amazing World of Gumball. Oh god, that show is ridiculous. <laughs> it should have been amazing. I wouldn't do an episode on it. So I have a question about this whole creepypasta thing. Yeah? They cut out all of his sensories. How is he having a conversation if he can't hear? 
It's in his head. But he knows he can't hear. I think that makes it even scarier. Like, it's in his own head. Like, the conversation is in his own head. But he's so removed now at this point, I don't think he can differentiate. So maybe he thought he was getting his hearing back, I guess? Maybe. So what Bill Murray whispered to Scarlett Johansson at the end? I think what Scarlett Johansson whispered to him. It's something like, the love you give on earth... The love you give on earth is the love you receive after life. Thanks for dealing with us, viewers. But I guess you can edit this out. This is going to be edited. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have to... I am going to have to edit every single silence we have in this thing to kind of pack it neat, or I'm going to have to do part one and part two. Or, you know, just listen to this at work like I do. Most of us have mundane jobs. I believe it is the love you give is the love you receive. And I don't think Bill Murray was very loving. You know what? We can't find it. If I find it, I'll paste it in. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. So we couldn't find it, but that's fine. So I think we need to move on. Okay, move on. Okay, do we have any ending things we want to bring up before we before I get to our final roundtable question that I left as a surprise? What's the roundtable question that you left as a surprise? Um, who who has anything else left to say about the movie? I'm good. You're good. I'm good. What, what would you rate it? I thought we already did that. Or we did a scare rating, that's right. We did scare rating, but, like, what would you rate it overall as a movie? I'd give it about an eight and a half. Eight and a half out of ten? Yeah. Sounds good. Cat. I mean, I'd watch this again. Um, I'm going to take this movie kind of like the way I take, like, a movie like Primer, and that there's always so many different questions. Every time I probably will get different answers every time, so I'd probably give it, like, a nine. And this movie is just, as I said earlier, it's my favorite it's my perfect horror movie. It's scary. It makes me ask questions. I love it. So I'm going to give this a 10. I give this a 10. Awesome. And I'm so glad you guys liked it. I enjoyed it. It was good. So, because if you guys had hated it, this would have been a very hard podcast to do. Or a very intense one. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm glad we all enjoyed it. I'm glad we got something out of it. And since we have been talking about extremely depressing things... For the past, like, hour and a half, two and a half hours, I have one final thing. If you are willing to share, what is the funniest fart story you have? Okay. So I was on this uh, retreat with my youth group back when I was in church. This is, I want to say, high school. (laughs) You didn't even hesitate, Joe. (laughs) No, let's admit lighthearted because this was kind of depressing to talk about. Yes. So we're on this church retreat, and we all live in Minnesota, and the retreat is in Indianapolis, Indiana. So we get to take a bus ride that is, what, nine, ten hours, something like that, to get there. Somewhere during this bus ride, I have gas, and it's one of those SBD gases to where you let it go and nobody really knows for a second. (laughs) And I'm sitting in the middle of the bus, too. And literally, it parted like the Red Sea. So everybody was either at the front of the bus or the back of the bus. Oh, no! <laughs> and I have no sense of smell. So it doesn't <laughs> So I could just sit there in my own fart and be like, what? What's going on? And can, like, what me? I don't know. I don't smell anything, though. You have no sense of smell. When did you find out that fart smell? Did someone have to tell you? I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I would assume somebody told me at some point. 
Yeah. And they're just like, did you just fart? Yeah, I can smell that. I mean, that comes, even when you're a kid, people say that. True. I find it weird when people tell me things that I don't think would smell, smell. So they're like, you know, plastic smells. It's like, what? Plastic has a smell. That's so odd. It just seems like the more solid an object would be, the less it would smell. But not necessarily the case. Trees smell. Trees are hard. All right, cat. Uh, mine's not a fart story. Mine's a queef story. Do it. So, this also is what I died for the first time inside. Um, <laughs> so I was swimming once. God, like high school. High school? And um, I learned I can control my muscles in my vaggie hole. And we were like swimming. And for some reason, I started doing it in the water. So when I got out of the water, I kept doing it. It was so wet. It was like water. And like all of my friends heard me. And they were like, is that a fart? And instead of being the smart person I am and saying yes, I said no. I like how you guys are telling fart stories from high school. I'm going to tell a fart story from two weeks ago. I'm almost 25. I don't have any good fart ones. I mean, I queefed, I, I remember I queefed the other day, or not like, a, well, not the other day, but like a few, like a couple months ago when I was having sex and I just died on the inside. I was just like, no! Why is there air in there? Why air? Why? Because it's, like, a way, like, thank God my partner was, like, cool, but, like... It's fine. It's an easy way to take you out of the mood. Yeah, I'll tell you that. A random question to ask you, then, because this, this has been a question of mine, too. Mm-hmm. If you quake during sex, is it also simultaneously a blowjob? <laughs> if you feel the air, yes. If you don't feel the air, no. I also just farted under bed. That's fine. I fart on my bed all the time. I just That's another fart story. Um, my fart story, like, I, uh, when you eat healthy, nobody tells you about this when you eat healthy, like a lot of vegetables and stuff. You fart a lot. You <laughs> fart so much. It's a lot. And if you don't fart, it kind of starts hurting. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I work in the front part of an office that's very open and echoes. So there was just, it was not a silent but deadly. It was. Just deadly? It was, it was deadly. <laughs> it echoed. The smog! <laughs> I am smog! <laughs> it, was, it was really loud. It echoed. And then we have puppies in the office sometimes, and the puppy. Did it start barking? The puppies, the puppies from down the hall started barking. Your fart woke the puppy up. <laughs> I think you should count those your surrounding achievements. It's like your mutant ability. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the fart whistle. And no then ones. it smelled so bad that I had to leave my office area for a couple minutes. You should have blown a fan out here. <laughs> no, I went to. Me and Steven, the sometimes guest on the show, but we work together, so I'll go into his office and then I'll just say, I farted really bad and I have to be away from my desk right now. 
was just like, why do you tell me that? Well, you need to tell him why you're in his office. Yes, We're best friends. Like, we tell each other everything. Even our farts and our poops. Wow. Does Febreze not work? I didn't have any at the office. I guess I could have grabbed some from the bathroom. Hindsight 2020. Anyway. Bring a candle to work. Yeah. I'm trying to look through my notes to see if there's anything else, but... Oh, I just want to say this real quick, just going back to something, like, awesome. Uh, I do like that Lucy, ultimately, the end of the first half of the movie, is freed from her demons. That scene where she explodes out the fucking window, and the glass looks like diamonds. Oh, that was so cool. It was so cool. It looked awesome. I'm sad that it her suffering lasts as long as it did, but the fact that she kind of went out on her own terms, she got to silence the voices that were trying to force their way out of her, the violence out of her. She, yes. She got to take, she got to handle it on her own. And, you know, um, it's a, I reminded by a quote from Watchmen where Rorschach says, violent lives end violently. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a good synopsis for this movie. So, yeah, I think with that, uh, we should... S- I think that's it. Um, we had a really intense discussion. We talked about farts some. It's all good. So I think that's it. Uh, we're all going to sign off now. I've been Addison. This is Joe. Thank you for listening again. And I'm Kat. You guys have been gems. All right. Thank you so, so much. If you like us, you can find more of us at extraunordinary.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Extra and Ordinary and Instagram at The Extra and Ordinary. And I don't have a Facebook page up right now, but maybe when this episode's up, I'll have gotten off my lazy ass and done it. So if I have, it's going to be Facebook.com slash The Extra and Ordinary. I didn't know we had an Instagram. I'm going to follow it. You should be cool and follow it too. Join us. Yes. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night. Thank you.